0: Welcome to Gartner ThinkCast, where the world's top IT and business experts explore the most important issues on your agenda. Here are the insights you need to help solve your most pressing challenges and build a more impactful long-term strategy. And you can go even deeper on these topics with Gartner Webinars at gartner.com webinars. And now, the latest edition of Gartner ThinkCast.
1: It's been quite the roller coaster ride in 2016, hasn't it? So what does 2017 have in store for us? Hi, I'm Scott Smith for ThinkCast. Daryl Plummer is a co-author of the Gartner Research Note, Top Strategic Predictions for 2017 and Beyond, Surviving the Stormwinds of Digital Disruption. So it made sense to put in a call to Daryl's office in the Atlanta area. Daryl, thanks for joining us. And I'd actually like to start with the report's subtitle, Surviving the Stormwinds of Digital Disruption. Why did you choose
2: that? The subtitle of the Top Predictions report was designed for the purpose of having people understand that the norm now is change, that things are continuously changing around, and we're in a state of permanent upgrade, as it were, And um, when we get into that situation, what happens is you begin to see things that are relatively unexpected change, which would be disruption. Digital disruption in particular uh, is something that causes a fundamental shift in a system. Uh, That means a foundational shift. That means the very intrinsic nature of the thing begins to change. And that leads to the fact that traditional competitors in the market aren't necessarily going to have an advantage. That new competitors coming out of nowhere could actually come and disrupt the market and take over. Uh, we're seeing this across a number of different places. You, you see it in, in automobiles as self-driving cars come along. The traditional car manufacturers are not necessarily the ones leading the way. They're not necessarily the ones in the front of that discussion because self-driving cars require a strong software and artificial intelligence uh, component to the capabilities. And those car manufacturers generally don't have that. They have to build it. So they're going to be catching up to some of those other companies unless they partner with them. So the predictions that we have are noting that we are seeing more and more disruptions around us, and they come at us sort of like a hurricane. It used to be disruptions were like just a tornado coming down in an area, very devastating to a certain area, but it was confined within that area. uh, And now they seem to be coming from all around us like a hurricane winds blowing everywhere. Uh, Tornadoes are scary because you you know you don't know when one's going to drop down. Hurricanes are scary because you can see them coming from days and weeks away and still won't necessarily be able to get out of the way. That's what we're trying to get at with these predictions.
1: Well, we'll staying with that hurricane uh, analogy there, Daryl. I'm struck by the hurricane It comes through, and then many kind of get complacent when the eye passes over, and then often that secondary part of the hurricane excuse me, can be the most damaging. And I bring that up because one of the things you write in the report is the secondary ripple effects often will prove more disruptive than the original disruption. How so?
2: Secondary ripple effects are, are what happen uh, as a result of some primary force that usually scares people. I mean, the the hurricane comes along, for example, I talked about hurricanes and tornadoes, but when you have a hurricane, quite often the hurricane spawns tornadoes. And those tornadoes can run through an area in the middle of the storm. Uh, And the same thing happens with uh, technology innovation and disruption, is that when a technology innovation comes along, the primary issue that changes our lives may not be the initial innovation. I'll stay with an example of, of autonomous vehicles, self-driving cars. We all think, well, you know, am I going to need a car anymore because I can get in a self-driving car. Or, you know, our taxi driver is going to have jobs if the cars drive themselves. Um, so you look at that and you think that's the primary disruption. But in fact, the bigger disruptions will come uh, as a result of the existence of those cars in a larger context. For instance, we go into a major city. One of the things you see every other block is a large parking structure a parking deck, uh, a parking skyscraper even, uh, that are there to hold all the cars that people are, are driving to work. Well, with self-driving cars, the cars are going to be buzzing the streets looking for people to pick up. They won't necessarily need to be parked in all those parking structures. So what does the, the landscape of a city begin to look like when you know self-driving cars are, are buzzing about? The same thing is true of your home. Do you need a garage if you don't own a car? No, I'm going to own a car because I like cars, but many people might not own them. Will insurance companies be able to insure as much as they used to when people don't have to buy insurance for a car that they're purchasing? These are secondary effects of autonomous vehicles on the road, and they will be more wide-ranging. Just like when you buy a piece of electronics, you probably spend more on the accessories for it, or your car, you spend more accessories for it on on it over the years than you might have spent on the car itself. These are secondary effects, and they could be pretty big.
0: You can find much more on this and other key IT and business topics in Gartner's webinars at gartner.com slash webinars. And of course, more of our ThinkCast discussions at gartner.com slash podcasts. And now, back to this ThinkCast conversation.
1: You say that by 2020, 30% of web browsing sessions will be done without a screen. What's going on here?
2: Well, when we talk about web browsing sessions being done without a screen, it begs the question of what they'll be done with. And if you look around you, one of the things that you see rising is the existence of conversational user experiences chatbots and the like. Many people are familiar with um, the Google you know, Assistant. Many people are familiar with Amazon's Echo devices and Alexa software, uh, where you can actually talk to the device and it will give you the answers you want. Now, we've had voice response systems for quite a while. That's not new. But what is new is the facility of these things to recognize human language without having to be trained to do it Uh, they can recognize any voice, they are available in our environment around us, and they can control things that are related to our environment or to our business. When that happens, you begin to think, well, I don't necessarily need to bring up an app to look up the movies that I'm going to go to see tonight. I can just ask the system what movies are playing, and it will recognize where you are and tell you what movies are playing at the theaters near you. Uh, and you get that information. Likewise, inside a business, if I wanted to see my sales data, I don't have to log into salesforce.com. I could just turn and ask my assistant, you know, what are my, what's my sales figures look like this week? And it will tell me. Now, so when you can ask it or you can interact with it in a way that doesn't require you to be looking at a screen when you do it, you actually open up the door for more human style interaction and much more effective communication overall. Staring at a screen is not a natural thing for a human being. But interacting through voice, interacting through gesture, and interacting even through touch uh, is certainly something that human beings are born doing and certainly grow to do more and more in their lives. So we don't always need these screens. Now, now the interesting thing about this is that screens are getting more flexible. We'll see them in more places. We'll see them in you know, eyeglasses and contact lenses you know, embedded in the back seat of a chair and, and even in your refrigerator. We see screens a lot around us. But those screens are becoming more ubiquitous to the devices that they're in. Uh, and in the end, we don't care where the screen is. We don't care that it's a device we bought last week. It just happens to be something that we can you know, interact with. But more importantly, the interactions without a screen become very, very interesting. Imagine a world of augmented reality where you can actually tell a piece of software to put a television on a wall you know, next to you. And when you look at it, it'll look as if it's really there, but it's not. Um, so we're talking about a mixture of the real world and the virtual world. Some will use screens, but some won't need them because we're going to more human interactions.
1: At this point, I wanted to take a moment and get look at one more. Um, let's go out maybe on a little more of a positive note there. And that is by uh, 2022, IoT, Internet of Things, will save consumers and businesses $1 trillion, that's trillion with a T, a year on maintenance, services and consumables. Why such a bullish prediction?
2: The prediction about saving a trillion dollars in maintenance and services is there because of the fact that the Internet of Things allows us to do something that we've always wanted to do, which is to let the machines tell us how healthy they are, let the machines determine when they need help, and maybe even get help from a machine. Uh, This allows us to do preventative maintenance, predictive maintenance, uh, which is typically going to save companies on the order of 10%, you know, right off the bat. So when we start thinking about this idea, you get the notion that, you know, if the machine is instrumented well, it can tell you how it's wearing, how the design is working uh, in the use of the machine. It can tell you when things are, you know, trending in a direction that might require you to do something Uh, That could take a long time, but because you're getting the information earlier, you're able to actually begin that process and do it in a a considered fashion rather than in an emergency uh, response to a failure. So preventative and predictive maintenance is one way that will save a lot of that money. And uh, here's the scenario. I mean, uh, the humorous scenario is this, that we all drive cars, uh, and right now your car will light a light on your dashboard to tell you something's going wrong, right, which means it's already too late or it's going to be too late very soon, so you better act on it now. Uh, Now, if you like Penny on the Big Bang Theory, you just put a sticker over it and you ignore it. Uh, But in the modern world, the car will then send you an email saying you've ignored the light for too long. You've got a problem. You need to make an appointment, you know, to get it fixed. And if you don't do that and notify the car that you've done it, the car is going to call the dealership itself, make its own appointment to get fixed. And if you don't take it there, the car will then drive itself to the dealership, get it done, and you hope it'll come back home. This is what we're talking about. I mean, it's a humorous scenario, but it's like entirely possible, entirely feasible to be done when the machines of our business and our personal lives begin to take care of themselves or at least to notify us in advance of scenarios where we can save money, add it all together, it's trillions of dollars of impact. You know, so that's where we're going with that, and that's the thing we have to be looking out for. And guess what? It's not just the machines. When the IoT instruments us We're able to understand things about our health, about our weight, about our, you know, our environment. And there's one prediction that we have about employees potentially saving money on their health insurance and health care costs because of wearable devices. Just like the machines, we can actually do preventative maintenance and predictive maintenance as well. And when we're all doing that, the money begins to be saved.
1: Daryl, thank you. Daryl Plummer is a managing vice president, chief of research, and chief of the Gardner Research Fellows. Gartner is an impartial independent analyst of the information technology industry. All content provided by other enterprises is expressly the views of those enterprises and the speakers. The information should not be construed as a Gartner endorsement of said enterprise's products or services. You can learn more about Gartner's full set of top strategic predictions for 2017 and beyond in Daryl's webinar, which you can find at Gartner.com webinars. For ThinkCast, I'm Scott Smith.
0: And that's another episode of Gartner ThinkCast. We want your insights, so email us at GartnerThinkCast at Gartner.com. You can hear more ThinkCast segments at Gartner.com slash podcasts. And you can subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. And when you're there, make sure to rate us. Thank you for listening to ThinkCast.